0: You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Benny Fowler is a wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. In 2016, he became an NFL Super Bowl champion and caught Peyton Manning's last pass. He's a public speaker, and in 2019, he wrote Silver Spoon, The Imperfect Guide to Success, where Benny shares stories that'll help you overcome what's holding you back. Today. Benny gives us an inside look on what it takes for a team to beat the odds and succeed. Welcome to another episode of Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and I am super excited to have my brother from another mother on, Benny Fowler. <laughs> Benny, welcome.
1: Hey, Ron. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that great intro. You know, you got a great, great podcast radio voice. Not saying that you're not a good looking guy, but, you know, the voice is,
0: is <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's like a one two punch, right? Yeah,
1: there you go. There you go.
0: <laughs> so, Benny, I, uh, so the background here is Benny and I met through a very good friend of mine, um, Keith, uh, who runs a company from Zen called Zen Man uh, out of Denver, Colorado. And, and Keith kind of said, Hey, man, you know, I've been met this guy, Benny Fowler. You guys need to meet. And, and so he connected us over email. We had a great chat. Um, and, uh, and now you're here. So I'm just, I'm stoked. I feel like we had a, you know, a great conversation. It's going to lead to more.
1: Absolutely. You know, Keith is a great guy and I think we hit it off right away when we, when we got on the phone, it was just like, man, we just, we aligned with so many different things. So, uh, you know, I'm very happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. Well, and thanks for coming again. So here's what I want to do. I want to, I haven't read your book yet. But I'm really intrigued by it. So don't give me and don't give the entire book away. But just I'm curious. I want to rewind to why you wrote the book and the context of the book. Can you start us off with that, Benny? Tell me about the the books.
1: Yeah, I wanted to write the book because I went through a tough time where I had just signed with the Chicago Bears. So I'm coming off my best year in Denver. I'm getting ready to hit free agency, which, you know, for the listeners out there, I'm getting ready to pick my own team. And it's it's now time to get paid. So it's the money. It's time to get it's paid. It's go time. <laughs> yeah. So Chicago comes calling and they give me some good money up front. I'm now playing in the city that my mom is living in. So my mom's just a hop, skip and a jump away from the stadium. She's living downtown. Everything seems to be aligning and going in the right direction. We get to training camp. And we're playing in training camp, and I'm playing some really good ball. But I'm also noticing when I look back at it now that I'm doing a lot of comparison, comparing myself to what I was doing in Denver, comparing the quarterback situation. And at the end of training camp, I got cut. And that was a tough time for me. I didn't know what was going to be next. What's, what's life going to look like? What if I don't get called again? So that's where I had the idea to write Silver Spoon, The Imperfect Guide to Success, because I had done some really good things. I had played four years in the NFL at that point in time, undrafted. The lifespan of an NFL athlete is only, you know, two years. So I made it as an undrafted athlete. Why would I not share these stories? But also the stories of my friends who are in the NBA and who are successful entrepreneurs and share what they've learned and what they've done to get to the the level of success that they have had. So I wanted to share that. And that's the reason why I decided to write a book, because I also wanted to share my story and this the incredible people that I've played with, such as Peyton, Eli, Tom Brady, now Drew Brees. You know, it's just why, why would I not right. share that knowledge? And tell me the title, because it's an interesting title. <clears throat> yeah, Silver Spoon. I am from the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. I am not the typical athlete story that you hear on TV. You don't always hear, you always hear the stories about people who come from, you know, the bad situation. And I didn't come like that. I didn't grow up like that. I had both my parents in my life. I was very fortunate, very blessed. But just because I grew up in the suburbs does not mean I was just automatically guaranteed the, the shot at the NFL or my scholarship to Michigan State. All that stuff was earned. So I want people to understand that Yes, I come from a, a suburban background, but that doesn't mean that we're any different. We all have the same 24 hours. And how are you going to use that 24 hours? Who do you want to be? Where do you want to go?
0: You know, I think that's super important. I love that. And so, so of course, this being the Scaling Culture podcast, and, and, and it's interesting, Benny, when I talk uh, and do public talks about culture and, you know, in the new book coming out, Scaling Culture... We make so many references to, to teams and to sports. And, you know, I remember there was a speaker one time that said, you know, he he said, look, I'd argue that most junior high sports teams that are organized operate better than companies than 90% of the companies out there. And I was offended in the audience. I'm like, (laughs) how dare you, you know? And he gave me a good, good example. He said, you know, look, um, he used a sales example and he said, you know, when we as company owners hire salespeople, we typically do an interview, we hire them, uh, we introduce them to people at the office, we give them their territory, their business cards, and we say, here you go, Benny, now go practice on some customers. He said, think about sports. You try out, you try out, multiple trials, maybe for different positions. And then you, you know, you're you with the team in different environments. And then you finally get on the team. And then it's practice, 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 different plays, different plays. And then you finally get to the game. You practice before the game. You play the game. You debrief they're coaching you in real time as you're doing good or bad things, the coaches and and, and different, you know, coaching aspects and trainers. Then you finish, you debrief what happened, what went well, what didn't go well. Then you play a new game and you practice specifically for the new opponent. And I'm like, Oh my God, I suck. Right. Right right away. I'm like, I don't do this It's embarrassing. You know, I'm like, it, it was like, you know, you get hit between the eyes sometimes. And so, you know, I would love to have a conversation about, you know, you've, uh, you know, you played for some incredible teams, right? Yeah. And coaches and teammates, and so I want to kind of go through some of the themes, and I'd love to hear about some of your best experiences, and and then we'll pick apart what made those so so good. And so so I want to start with the triode, because that is the application process, right? Yeah. Tell me tell me about, and I'm not just talking about you know I have to catch the football and, and I, you know, cause essentially let's just say you need to deliver the skills. You have to be good, right? Mm-hmm. That's for the trial. Absolutely. But tell me about the other part of the trial, which says, are you going to fit with this team? What are you made of? Where's your heart? Tell me about that. What are they, well, how do they find that stuff out or is it important? Or are they looking for it?
1: You will really find that out, especially in college in the NFL, you'll find that out in training camp, training camp. Those are the dog days of the season right before the season but that's where you're getting up and callusing your body to get ready for that everyday grind of the season. But training camp is every day. There's nothing sexy about it. You're waking up at 7.00 AM. You're not, going bed. you're not going to bed till 10 AM, but you're in the building. So it's, you know, you got practice in the morning, you, or you have meetings, then practice. And you, and you have meetings after that. You'll have like a little break where you'll go to the weight room and then you'll have another walkthrough. Those days are super long. It's a lot of information being thrown at you. The coaches are testing you. They're throwing, seeing how much they can throw at you and how much you can handle. And I see. So,
0: so it's, it's a huge stress test,
1: yeah, right? Yeah, it's a huge stress test. You see some people, and I've seen some people every year it happens where somebody will leave in the middle of the night and be like, you know, I can't do this. Mm. And it's, a, it's just a and, real and- test of mental, of your mental. Because it will it'll show you, do you really want this?
0: Ah, right. We know you can catch the ball, run, et cetera. But do you, how bad do you want it?
1: Yeah, because to win the Super Bowl, when I, I, was, I was fortunate enough to win the Super Bowl in Denver in 2016, playing with Peyton, to win the Super Bowl, that's, that's a 25-week season. A lot of people don't think about it like that. But that's 25 weeks because you have your 17 weeks and then you have your five weeks of, of the playoffs and you got bye weeks in there. It's just so many different things. But that's how mentally tough are you? Because the days are going to start to get monotonous. They're going to be routine. Where do you find that purpose? Where do you find that why? How do you get leverage? Where do you get the leverage from to consistently win every single day?
0: And so let me rewind a little bit because as you're talking, I'm thinking there must be a switch. And what I mean by that is if I own a professional sports team, football team, I am trying to encourage you. I'm in the sales process. Oh, Benny, you got to play here. We'll set you up. This is great. The team's great. But then, you know, and so I'm selling you that this is the right place to come to and here's the money, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Once those things align, now it's how big's your heart? Now now it's to your point, how bad do you want it? There is, it must be a switch once you've kind of shown up you and, and it must be a, a mental game, is it? Where it's like, whoa, you wanted me. Now you're torturing me and, and you really need to see what I'm made of or not.
1: It doesn't. You don't see it like that, <clears throat> and you have you have things to look up to. You have different reasons of why you're doing it. In college, it was you're doing it for the guy next to you. You're still in in the pros. You're doing it for the guy next to you, but you're also <laughs> getting paid to do this. Right. But when you get a chance, and I'm I've, I've, I've played in front of I've, I've been I was fortunate enough to play Michigan State seventy five thousand, and then Broncos pro stadiums are sixty thousand plus. But that's, you're, you're getting put on a stage to perform. So you have to prepare and be ready for that or you'll get embarrassed. So right. that's the switch that turns on. in the, the eye in the sky, that's what we always say, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. So the fact that you know that you're getting ready to be, the film is going to be watched in real time, literally 30 minutes after practice, you're not trying to go out there and get embarrassed. There's, there's, you know, there's always going to be somebody who wins on each play either Defender or yourself or vice versa, but who's going to win? And that's going to help you turn on that switch. It it could be the same thing in business. Who's going to win on this call? If you're trying to sell somebody, are you going to win or are they going to win? Are they just going to shut you down? What's the mindset that you need to have every single day? But if you connect to that why and who you need to be or doing it for a bigger purpose. Now, when I go out there, I know that I have a family. I know I have a fiance. I know that I have to put a roof over my family, my future kids' head—that's the connecting. Who needs my a game a day besides myself?
0: It, it, it's interesting because I'll go back to what the speaker said to me. I don't. I would still argue as companies, we we stick more on the oh, you know, Benny, you need to join. You need to join. There isn't a switch to how bad do you really want this? We're going to put you through the ringer to make sure that you're a fit. You know, like companies still don't do that. We're not unfortunately, I don't believe that most companies are saying, hey, we're going to win the Super Bowl of, of business this year, this, this century, it doesn't matter. They'd, I just still believe that businesses don't think like that. And I think that they're leaving money on the table. What are your thoughts?
1: I agree. I agree. But it depends on how successful that business owner wants to be. Maybe they're okay with where they're at. If they're okay with where they're at, then that's fine. But where do they want to be in three years? What do they want to be in five years? Sometimes we don't think ahead in the future like that. But if they think about that now, they might change their onboarding process and ask them, where do you see yourself within this company? Where do you want to go within this company? Why do you want to work here? It's, it's, it's really just depending on the questions and the right. owner on the day-to-day. You know, sometimes the owner is just so far away. There's so many employees. It, it's, it's kind of hard. But if the owner could really, you know, dig, dive and dive deep into that, it, it's, you know, I've had some owners that I've played for, you know, they're at practice twice a week, at least, you know, because they care about the product that's being put on the field.
0: Right. Right. And so last question about, alcohol: the screening, the tryout. What else outside of skill and and maybe the Broncos, it's just skill. Like it, what, what part of it are they, um, isn't as obvious. Is it, Hey, we're going to see, you know, tonight we've got a big dinner and they're watching how you interact with people. Is there any strategies that maybe you know today that you didn't know at the time that they're doing to see more about you? You know, is, Are you gonna be in an a-hole and disrupt the team? That, that, I feel like that has to be important and they're watching for it or not, or not.
1: Oh yeah, they're watching how you interact with people. They're watching how you interact with the janitorial staff. They're watching how you ah. interact with the kitchen staff. Who are you as a man? Who are you as a person? Especially for myself being undrafted, Little things like that go a long way. Is he a culture? Is, is, does he fit within the culture? Sean Payton, who I played right. for this year with the Saints, before he signed anybody in free agency, he always asked the, the scouts, the personnel people, does this guy fit in our locker room? Because they already have a good nucleus of talent. Does he right, fit? Does it personality off. fit? Yeah, because you don't want to throw off the culture and, and the vibe that you already have. If you have a winning culture, you have to see, does this puzzle fit? Does this piece fit? Is it worth the headache? And a lot of times it's not worth the headache.
0: Right. And so let's go to, you know, we'll go to companies who now onboard, you made the team. What does that look like? You know, I, I assume it's pretty celebratory. You know, I don't know if it's a big party. You feel really welcome. What is, what is joining the team and, and what are some of your best experiences uh, in joining teams that we can take in business?
1: The only time I've really been excited is when I made the Denver Broncos team my second year. My first year, I was on practice squad. In the second year, I made the team, and I had put all my chips into one basket. I have a a firm belief if you put put everything into plan plan A, it will lead into plan B. But my plan A worked out. I went to L.A., I worked out. I had a mentor of mine, and I really put all my eggs in one basket. I spent all my practice squad money on living in L.A. and training. And it paid off. And I got that call from Gary Kubiak and he said you made the team. And it, it was a celib- it was a it was a big celebration moment for me in terms of calling my parents. But the season started the next week. So it's like, yes, I'm super excited going out to dinner with some of the teammates. Like I'm gonna be out there on Sunday now, like with everybody, with Peyton, with the guys. But I played with, you know, some some great players on that team. So I was super excited. But now it's all right, what's the next step? I'm playing special teams, but how do I get on offense? How do I get Peyton to trust Uh, me? So that, it was another step. It it wasn't like I was starting right away. I'm not, you know, there's a lot of guys who were in front of me. So what's the next step? How do I get onto the field now? I made the team. Now how do I get onto the field? So if a company hires somebody, all right, now I have my position and I have my role. How do I get to the next step? What's the next step in my career and journey? And then you map that out.
0: I love that. Um, and maybe this didn't apply as much as your second time. Although I assume that a lot of players get recycled, they, they get traded this and that. And so there's probably a lot of new faces year two. Oh yeah. The Broncos is, it, what's no won, team right? is ever the same. So, so when it came to you being welcomed, you know, the coach calls you the owner, whoever that was. And then, um, once you join the team, are they like welcoming you with open arms? Is that where it starts? Does bonding starts, start then?
1: No, bonding starts in training camp, really in those dog days of training camp, usually about a week, two or three, where you're, you're going against the same guys every single day. Every day is the same. You don't even know what day it is because you're practicing six, six days a week, you know? So that's where the bonding really comes in. But one thing that's very common in the NFL, no matter who you are, what status you are, after we make those final cuts and you come and, you ha- and you're on the final roster, everybody goes around and congratulates because you, you actually made it. It doesn't matter who you are because pe- Peyton Manning's been cut. The best players, probably Tom Brady might be the only one who hasn't been cut, but that's currently in the NFL. But everybody is pretty much, if you play long enough, you're going to get cut.
0: And so did you say it was Peyton Manning that you had to go and build trust with to get off special teams? You wanted him to trust you?
1: <clears throat> to get on offense. Special teams is, you know, how I kind of made the roster. Yeah. But right. Yes, yes. To for me to play on offense with him, you have to gain his trust. You just, you just can't get out there.
0: So tell me about trust, because we talk about that in the book being one of the foundations of anything. And and I love that you're saying that. How do you in sports how is it is there two sides? Is it, hey, I'm just gonna catch the ball time after time, but I'm going to spend some time. I need you to mentally uh, build a bond and make sure that that we're connecting you. Trust me. Is it both sides?
1: Yeah, it's both sides. Peyton was going to show up every single day and do his masterful job. I mean, he was just incredible to see. The way I had to go about gaining his trust was just doing my job. I wasn't focused on impressing him, trying to talk to him, trying to talk his head off. No, I was just going to do my job. Stay out of the way. And then when it was my time to get in there and make a play or know my assignments, he was big on knowing what to do. If you knew what to do, you were going to have an opportunity to catch the ball and be on the field with him. So it was really just about doing your job. Even when I played for the Patriots for a little stint, Bill Belichick is super big on just do your job. Don't worry about anything else. Just do what you have to do. So that's the kind of the way I gained the trust. And then you know, it was maybe fourth game of the season. We were playing back actually in my hometown. And Peyton kind of, he called the wrong play. He called the, sc- the screen to the wrong guy. He called it to me. And I caught the ball got a first down. And it was history after that. He trusted me because I had that opportunity right there and I seized it.
0: You bailed him out.
1: <laughs> no, it was going to be a catch. He was going to make the play either way. But the fact that it went to me and I was able to make the play, it was, it was awesome.
0: Well, it's interesting because they say that whether you're building trust uh, or rebuilding once you've broken trust, it's not about apology. It's not about saying, "Hey, your words." It's about the delivering on a commitment. So for you, that was, "I'm going to do the play, and I'm going to commit to that, and I'll deliver on that commitment." It's the same as 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 trust with human, you know, from human to human or in the workplace.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people think that it's trust comes from just talking and schmoozing somebody no doing your job and showing that you're accountable is really where the trust comes from showing up on time being on time i'm i'm super big on time because time is one of the only things in the world that you cannot get back so
0: and and tell me about the um the team aspect and let's think about what we can learn from that so so there's teams within the team right you have special teams you have offense defense And so are are they tighter than the overall team? Do you get tighter with that? That's like the sales team, the finance team. What does that team look like? and How how do you stay tight and accountable as teammates?
1: Yeah, so yes. When you have like offensive units a lot tighter than the overall team, defensive unit, you know, we all hang out with our position groups. Every Thursday we would get together offensively, go out to dinner, watch Thursday night football at a restaurant, and get together. It's not usually always a whole team thing. The way to hold each other accountable, though, is that as you know this guy is relying on you, and we're trying and we're doing it for a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. We're playing to to win, win a Super Bowl, and the more we win, the more everybody gets paid. So the better the company does, the better the bonuses there are, the more perks mm-hmm. there are. If you're on a sales team that has done and surpassed your numbers by 30, 40% every single year, and you're getting better, you can put that on your resume. That's a part of who you are. You're a part of that team. And offensively, you know, playing with Peyton, Drew, all these quarterbacks, Eli, when the offense is good, the whole entire offense is good, that means that you can put that on your resume. I can forever put that I'm a Super Bowl champion. And people know that I'm a winner because I was a part of that team, that offense, that special teams, that defense. We were all a collective unit.
0: And, and so the one message I'm hearing clearly is that everyone, everyone's aligned with the same goal, which is win the Super Bowl. Like everyone knows it's black and white. There's no gray. And so back to business, I'm sure in most cases, and I think I've been guilty of this myself, is in some cases the goal maybe isn't a stretch goal. And it's not clear enough. It's just not clear enough. Yeah. You know, I don't think clear. businesses do it right. I mean, you guys are crystal clear. Everyone sees the same thing. It's a ring that we <laughs> want. We're going for it. And that would get everybody aligned, right?
1: Yeah. It's very specific. We have a very specific goal, which is the Super Bowl. And then how, how do we measure that? How do we measure that? We measure it by the practices, and then we measure it by going out there on Sunday. And then you know we go back to the drawing board. What worked? What did? What worked? What didn't work? Is this goal attainable? What's the timeline on these goals? It's got to be super specific, measurable. It's got to you know it's smart goals. That's that's the way. When I even when I'm coaching people, when I'm coaching these entrepreneurs and business leaders, we get super specific. Why do you want this? What's the feeling that you want to have when you get this? It's easy for us as athletes because we know the feeling of what a championship could bring. So it's very specific we know we know how to attain it we know what we have to do we know a certain amount of games will get us to the playoffs so it's you know business and sports are you know really go hand in hand i tell people all the time you know the, the NFL is a, is a billion dollar business so at the end of the day it is a business
0: right and and i'm curious about when it doesn't go right on the team so you know i i um I'm sure you watched the last dance with Michael Jordan. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, Great. It was awesome. And, and I, I talk about in the book, that Scotty Pippa moment where you know, he let his own ego get in the way. Didn't he want to take the shot? Didn't want to, to go to Tony Kukoc sat on the bench and it destroyed the team. I mean, you know, I think it was Horace Grant was in tears, you know, have you seen those moments or, or, you know, is, is there things that are happening on these teams that, that, that shouldn't happen? And ha- how do you deal with the tough situations? What's the best way through that you've seen in sports?
1: The best way through is just honest feedback and feedback in the right way and showing and understanding, you know, it's, it's a certain way to give feedback. You start with it being positive first, then you give the constructive criticism, and then you, then you build them back up. A lot of people just say hey you're doing this wrong or you're doing that wrong it's a it's more about a communication thing but with the thing about that scotty pippen moment within that i think it's very important to understand that success you have to be able to deal with success too everybody always talks about handling adversity but no you have dealing with success is super hard and that's why michael jordan and those guys the fact that they won six and they won and they had two three-peats they had to deal with that. They had to deal with each other's egos and all the success and people getting paid and, and different things. And I think Scotty just got a little confused with that. I don't, Obviously, I'm not in his mind and don't know. But he wanted that Michael Jordan fame. Yeah. And they ended up winning that game that he didn't want to go back in. But he wasn't thinking about the big picture. Now, if they had won the championship that year, he probably would have been the MVP of that finals. But he was thinking only – right then and in the moment and how it would have made him look instead of the big picture focus, which Mike didn't, he passed to Kerr, he passed to Paxson to win two championships. So it's not like he was always taking the game winning shot.
0: Well, it's interesting because in this case, in this kind of real time feedback, I would argue that it's harder to do it the right way in sports than is in business only because, you know, if we're on, you know, we're two salespeople, whatever it is, and you've done something. I'm not super emotional at the time. I can just provide you feedback. But if you're in a game and there's a lot on the line, your adrenaline's going, you're emotional, how, how do you slow down and not you know, disrupt your team by being an, asked to, uh, t- to a teammate who maybe made a mistake? How do, you, how do you separate that and slow yourself down and say, hey, good, good play, but you know, how do you do it? Oh, you don't. You don't.
1: You, you understand the game that you're in you understand the emotion and I've been, uh, I've been cussed out a couple times in games, not even a couple times a lot. And I've done, and I've been on the other side where I was doing the cussing and things like, and things of that nature. But at the same time, you go back to the drum board, you apologize, or you, the next series, like, Hey man, that's my bad. Like I was tripping or, you know, I was, I don't know where I was. So there are different things. I mean, we all understand it's the heat of the battle. And when you understand that emotion and you don't, you can't take it personal. That's the one thing that I'm still working with. You know, you can't take it personal. So don't take it personal.
0: Interesting. And tell me about, um, you know, we say if you're going to have a high performing culture in business, you need to constantly be learning. And, you know, that will help re- with in- being innovative and resilient. How, how do they do that with sports? Are they constantly so, – so, for instance, you know, you always hear about Tiger Woods and they try to change his swing and this, his game goes down and then comes back a little bit. Are they, are they trying to change and skill players up at that level or not?
1: No. They, they give you suggestions, but you're, you're in the pros for a reason. They let your, right. your natural instincts take over because we're playing a reactive game. They can't say, hey, you got to just try this move because what if he, what if the defender doesn't play it like that? So you don't, they don't try to change you in real time, but they just try to help you just understand what you have to do so you can play as fast as you can.
0: And, and, you know, training is such a big part of business. What is the, if you had to summarize, because you've probably worked with some of the best trainers in in the world, what are they doing to get it right? Why are why is the training so good? How, what does the delivery look like?
1: Yeah, the training is getting better every single day. I mean, people are getting very innovative. They're just, How can you get more athletic? How can you stay younger? Nutrition is super big now. Sleep, all different modalities that you can do. Massage, needling, dry needling. There's just so many different things that trainers have to add. I will not go back to a trainer if they have the same workouts. If I see that we're starting my off season the same, then they haven't gained any new knowledge or any new way of keeping this different because I don't want to just continue to, Oh, let's go in there. Let's bench press. And then we're going to do curls and then we're going to do squats. No, let's change it up. Like, is this position specific? I don't need to bench press like that. I'm not alignment. I don't have to, I don't have to have 300 pounds and and lift it. That's just because I play football. So I like for people to be innovative and I like for it to be specific, specific to what I'm
0: doing. Hmm and i i there was t- two key messages one what you just ended with being specific so don't train me to do this if i'm if, if, if it has nothing to do with what i'm doing yeah. but the other thing that you mentioned and i think that sports get it right business gets it wrong is you're talking about your your trainers looking at you as an individual not you in your role they're saying we need to make sure you eat well you sleep well your mental health is good we don't do that enough in business. You know, We just kind of look at, hey, are you making your phone calls to do your sales? Whatever that is. I, I, I think the real lesson there is to get the highest performance, you need the highest performing indi- as an individual. You need to get, get that person to their highest performance and that's with the right sleep, right food, et cetera, et cetera, you know, uh, exercising. What, what's your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's very important <clears throat> because a lot of people think, well, he's just not making enough sales calls He's not motivated. Well, did you ask him what was going on at home? Maybe he's not getting enough sleep. Maybe his nutrition is poor. That's what you bring on. You know, you have coaches and consultants. But, you know, if you want your individual, a lot of the things that go on in sports, if somebody's having a tough time or they're messing up plays or they're not playing at the highest performance, is they're probably distracted. There's something going on. Sometimes they have something going on with their wife or they just had a baby. There are small little things. we can't forget in business and when it comes to sales or when it comes to being an athlete in performance, performance, regardless, you're still working with a human being and a person. So if you want that person to perform well, you got to coach and be around and uh, and mentor the whole person.
0: And so I want to go into coaching now too, because I think that's one of the most critical things of, of all of this and leading and coaching. So, so let's stay on that for a sec. So What do they do if they find out, you know, okay, Benny just had a baby, is not sleeping, or has a death in the family. How do they, what do they do in in professional sports? Do they connect you with with an expert, connect you with someone who's been through it before? What's the strategy?
1: They kind of just ask what's going on. Like, you know, sit them down. Like, you know, what's up? You're a little off. You know, what's going on here? You might, they might explain what's going on. And then the coach might be like, hey man, you know, take the rest of the day off, go home, get away, be with your family. If you need some alone time, you know, just go ahead, you know, just get out of the building, get your head off football for a while. They always give, you know, obviously Compassionate. Yeah. You got, you got to be compassionate. Now, if it's, you know, you're staying out too late, like, come on, like you, you connect into the goal. What's the ultimate goal? Like, what do you want to be? Like, who do you want to be? Like, if you, if you, if you have somebody who's on the brink of being a Pro Bowl player, like, man, you're really on the cusp. You're doing all these things great. If you get some more sleep and stay on top of everything, this is going to lead to millions of dollars and change your life.
0: So it sounds like they're hard on you when it's in your control, more compassion when out of your control. I, I've got a young baby now, and I've got a family member who died. Not my control. I like to party in my control. Probably yeah. not going to be as compassionate and hold you... You know, your feet to the fire a little bit.
1: Definitely, definitely, because every situation is different.
0: And Benny, best coach, and why? What, what, what are the traits of the best coach you had, or, or if you had to categorize a few? on Honesty,
1: honesty. Hey, this is what your role. Honesty.
0: Okay, being clear with you.
1: Yeah, I, this is what this is what your role is. Yeah, hey, this is where I see you. This is how I see you fit. This is where you're going. This is where I see you going. Um, coaches that push you, but coaches that come in and they can help you, the whole team relate to something. What, how what do they are we do all that? doing? It could be stories. Really, just showing if when coaches show the human side, even when the, some of the best players, when they show that human side, that they care, that they want to be successful, and they tell you their why, and they connect with with you in a different way, you'll run through a wall for them. I think a lot of owners, business owners, coaches, sometimes they struggle with helping people connect or, you know, they're just, uh, they feel like they're a machine. And coaches who can help people connect or show their compassion and they open up a little bit, run through a wall
0: for them. Right. Right. Love that. And so how, how have some of those coaches rallied, um, the team like like, you know, let's go back to the Super Bowl being the goal. They know that, but how does a coach kind of like rally them to to you know from practice to keep that goal in mind and push, push, push? What what are strategies are they using or what have they done with you?
1: When we were playing, when I was playing for the Broncos and we got we're going to our Super Bowl year, we were a little beat up towards the end of the year. And maybe like week twelve, Coach Kubiak would we would only do 15 minutes of full-speed practice, 20 minutes of full-speed practice, and then we would do everything else as a walkthrough. He said, I know if we're healthy on Sunday, we're going to win. So he wasn't trying to just beat us into the ground with practice. Oh, we got to practice. we got to be the toughest team. we got to practice. No, I'm going to take care of your bodies. You take care of me on Sunday. And it was easy.
0: So he, re- he, he, he knew the temperature of the team. He knew what was going on, right? Yeah.
1: When, people, when the coaches understand who the team is – and, and they can really get those leaders together, it's, it's easy. Uh, everybody will be going in, in the same direction.
0: And what about you know, coaches on the sideline if things are going bad, they're stressing out? Is that bad for the team? Is that like a leader at, at work kind of being stressed and everybody's stressed? You know, what happens if, if you see your coach freaking out on the sidelines? Does it stress everybody out or, or not so much?
1: It can stress people out for sure. If you know, but if mm-hmm. that coach lets you know, hey, if you know this coach acts like this on game day, then you kind of expect it. But if it, if it's an out of character moment, you would be like, you know, what's what? What is all that about? Like, you know, it, it just depends. You know, some coaches that I've had, you know that they, you know, they can kind of lose it on the sidelines, so you don't really take it personal. You see, like a guy like Nick Saban on the sideline, his coaches and his players, they don't freak out when he when he freaks out because. He probably does that all the time, but if it's an out of character moment, that's when it's like, all right, what's going on.
0: And, and one of the most difficult things, uh, and I'm always super curious about this when it comes to sports. Um, but one of the most difficult things, whether you have a great culture or not is change and change management. How are sports teams, uh, you know, um, how are you impacted by change being on, on the teams and, and, and how are the coach implementing change? And maybe that is as simple as, hey, we used to practice this way. We're going to do it this way. I know we thought we practiced so many times for this play, but based on this, this, you may not agree, uh, but we're doing this. Like Phil Jackson having, you know, Kuko shoot the ball. Uh, how, how do they implement change so that everyone buys in?
1: They have the information to back it up. They they present the information. Hey, this is what they've been showing. This is what we're going to do. This is how they're going to play this guy. You other players have to step up. Like when we when you play against the Patriots, you know your second and third and third receiver, your your second tight end. Those that's where the ball is pretty much going to go because Bill Belichick is really good at taking your main your first two options away. So you kind of understand that you have the information when you're able to present the information. It's easy to. Have people change and have people adapt, but if there's no information present, hey, we're just going to do it like this because of this, and or we're just going to, you know, teams or coaches that you know we're just going to run the ball and we're just going to out execute them because we're tougher than them. Now it doesn't work like that because people won't right. buy into that.
0: So a couple of key messages I'm hearing is, you know, look, I'm going to give you the why. I think we should go from A to B. Here's why, and let me present something, whether it's visually, verbally, data on why this is important there's a sense of urgency and and I'm going to tell you the sense of urgency we'll lose if we don't do it based on the data based on the the support would that be accurate
1: yeah it'd be accurate and then you change in real time now if and if and you can it, when when coaches admit they're wrong hey fellas I was wrong about this and you know we're in halftime and we're changing we're going to go back to the original game plan then you you also get your players to buy in because you you're not you know you're not always right but you know you're going based off of, of data and Certain looks and certain tendencies.
0: Yeah, that that's got to be also back to the coach building trust with the team. So you know, I I I jump on the sword. You know, no one's going to point a finger at me now because I said, hey, I got it wrong. Now it's let's play together. Let's do this different play. Let's let's change strategies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then when you have when you know that coach, your coach has that experience. It's easy. You know, I mean, he's been if they've been doing it for a long time, it's easy to kind of. To understand and, and to just go with what they're, what they're saying. But if they're open, they're also the coaches I play with, they're also open to ideas and what you think might also work.
0: And I, I wrote a question down that I meant to ask earlier, which was what is the balance? Because there is a lot of camaraderie and, and there is in some companies. And what's the balance between, look, we're on a team let's let, let's hold each other accountable, but we're really close friends too. We're now hanging out on Thursday and Fridays. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, how do you balance and separate that stuff? And what's <clears> the lesson for business that that are maybe, you know, that have these cultures. Cause you hear about some of these cultures, we're just, they're, they're partying together. They're great friends. They've almost crossed over too much and they can't seem to keep things separate.
1: You still know the goal at hand and you know who the leaders are. They they stick out. And and those are the people you're following. They're going to hold you accountable. They don't really care if you're your friends or not. You know, the same way Michael Jordan did. Like, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you know, like, what you need to do and what we need to do to win. And if that makes you uncomfortable, maybe you shouldn't be here. And usually the leaders are the ones who aren't going anywhere anyway. So, if you can't really handle if you can't really handle the fire, if you can't handle what I'm saying right now, then you won't be able to handle it playing in front of seventy thousand people is kind of way we we approach it. And you know, if somebody wants to move up in the company or be a leader or be a, a manager and they're not there yet, and then they get mad about some some constructive criticism or somebody correcting them and they're not ready to lead.
0: And and so do you think and, and to the Jordan piece, it sounds like you Uh, Agreed with his strategy. A lot of people. This was controversial, right? Some people like, oh, he's an asshole, and other people are saying, no. That I I mean, I kind of, I really liked his approach. I got it, and I thought, look, you know, to to be at that type of high performance, I believe it's probably necessary. What do you What do you think?
1: I feel like people should be able to look at it and look at it from a third party, look at it from the other person's point of view, and and your point of view, but. If you look at it from a third party or if you look at it from Michael Jordan's point of view, he's trying to be the best basketball player ever. There are no wasted moments. I understood that and I started to understand that when I was playing with Peyton. Peyton was 39, 38 and 39 when I played with him. He didn't have time to waste. <laughs> These were going to be his last couple years. I don't have time to play around or for you to get something wrong. So, no, he wasn't an asshole. But he wasn't. He just didn't have time to play around and just think things were funny and oh, we can just you know have we could just make that up. No, this we have to get this done. I don't. I don't have time to play for seven, eight more years. So that's basically what Mike was getting across. I'm. I'm What's trying to the be less? the best ever. I'm trying to be the best ever. I'm trying to win a championship. Same thing with Kobe Bryant.
0: Well, let's go to, to business. What's the lesson there? What is the lesson in, you know, I'm trying to build an incredible business. What do I take from that and implement my business?
1: And what do you give back to where you tell the employees?
0: Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm the leader, I'm Michael Jordan or a team leader, what's the lesson with how tough he was and had the, you know, the expectations were so high, you know, because we're softer in business mostly, but what, what do we take from there? What's the lesson, um, that, 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 that people are listening could say, okay, what, how, how can I apply some of what Michael Jordan did to my everyday business? You know, is it to be just harder on people, be more real with them?
1: My name is on demand this. more. My name is on this. This right. is, this is my legacy. This is a part of who I am. I want my kids. I want my family to be proud of who I am and what I have built. And if you're working for me and you're working with me in my company, you are now a representation of me. That my name is on this company. If you're not coming and you're not bringing the same enthusiasm and work ethic and productivity that I'm bringing, you are, it's not your name that's on it. It's mine.
0: Interesting. Well, well, Benny, I want to talk uh, before we run about your coaching. You're now into coaching. You mentioned this earlier, you're coaching business leaders and entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. What are you bringing from, you know, there, there's probably stuff we've just talked about. But what, what are some of the key things that you bring from uh, from sports into coaching that, that you think is really going to make this a uh, successful journey for you?
1: Just getting people in love with the process. But so it's enjoyable. So they're not living life in default. A lot of people just get up, they go, they clock in, they clock out. But they're not having any fun within it. And I think I'm bringing the performance aspect in terms of having that big vision. Where do you see yourself within this company? Where do you see yourself in this with this, with this job and where you want does it align with your vision? And some people that I've worked with have left their jobs just because it didn't align with who they were. That's just, they weren't happy. They had nothing idea did with their five-year plan or their 10-year plan or where they wanted to be. They mm-hmm. just kind of got stuck into something. But what's your life purpose? What's your leader within you telling you? You know, sometimes we, we always get, life always hits us and failures come and then we forget all the things that we've done. Right. I bring that out of you.
0: Interesting. And Will you apply some of the things we've talked about, that, that Jordan approach? Look, Ron, you commit these things. You're not hitting. It's my name on the line. You know, my, I'm not going to get referrals if, if you can't hit your targets, you're not successful. I'm firing you as a client. Are you taking that kind of line in the sand? Or what's the expectation from, from your, your clients?
1: No, I'm not, I'm not taking that approach at all because it's, it's their name that's on the line. Right. What do they really want? What would they regret if they didn't make certain moves? Who do they who do they want to be? When they're celebrating their life and people are coming up to them at their retirement party, what are they thanking them for? They won't be thanking me. What are they thanking them for?
0: Yeah, I love that. And anything we didn't talk about, Benny, that you think about in your sports career. Um, that is applicable in business that maybe we miss. That's an important, uh, important thing, or especially when it comes to team culture, any of those things.
1: The only thing that I would think is uh, that I would just harp on one more time is playing your role. You know, we're so busy trying to, Oh, I'm better than this person. I don't know how they got the job. Instead of we should elevate that person so they can move up in the company. So you can have that job. Sometimes we're always talking about people and what they don't deserve. How about they do deserve that, elevate them, encourage them, they'll continue to move up and thrive, and then you'll get the chance to step into that role.
0: Love that. So, so Benny, look, in closing, where uh, where can we find your book? On Amazon, where is it located?
1: Yeah, my book is on Amazon, Silver Spoon, The Imperfect Guide to Success. It's on Amazon. It's also on Kindle. And, you know, you can reach out to me at BennyFowler1, number1.com.
0: And are you still taking clients for those that are interested? Can they, can you find you online and, and are you still taking clients on today?
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm taking clients if they want to work, if they want to be pushed, if they want, if they know they have, if they're just scratching the surface in certain areas of their life and professionally or personally. Yep. I'm all for. Them.
0: Beautiful. Benny, my friend, thank you once again. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I so appreciate your Uh, all your feedback and your time today. Ron,
1: appreciate you, man. Thank you.
0: For more information on Benny Fowler or anything related to scaling culture, please see the show description for details. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.